Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. Come on, come on, listen. Sunday, fun day. This is what it is. So when you walk into the church, you'll see a map on the wall. And people are like, what is significant about this church? Well, hopefully every church, the reason it's significant is because we get to tell the story of redemption. We get to, we get to talk about Jesus. But we believe that Jesus came to do these four things. And so the house exists to do these four things. We, Jesus came that people would know the Father. And so we was always like, yo, let me tell you about my father. Let me tell you about my father. Let me tell you about my father. And the reason was that is because in the Old Testament, they believed piety pays, perversity punishes. In other words, if you, get, if you, if you do bad, lightning bolts are coming. And so Jesus actually was like, okay, here's the deal. God has a standard, but he also has grace. And let me tell you about what it's like in the kingdom. Then that would move you to accepting forgiveness. Forgiveness for yourself and forgiveness for other people that would lead you into living free. And ultimately, we would see you begin to fuel purpose. And that is why we exist. So that's, that's the highway. Inside the vehicle is how it feels. And so we have values. And one of the ways that we want it to feel when you come to church is we don't believe that we're doing funerals. Come on, somebody, on Sunday morning. We believe that the joy of the Lord is our strength. We're going to wear some smiles. Come on, we're going to bring the fun. And actually bringing the fun is a cultural value of our church. Because I think if people are looking at you, they would, should want to be like you. And listen, it ain't Halloween. Come on, does that make sense? And so if the joy of the Lord is our strength, then you ought to be able to show some teeth. Come on, just smile real quick. Some of y'all, that this is new for y'all. You know what I'm saying? Like your face is permanently frowning. You want to just, you can Google this. It actually takes you more, your face give takes more muscles in your face to frown than it does to smile. So go on and give your face just a break. We want you to bring the fun. And and we don't say find fun. The reason we don't say find fun is because finding fun means it's someone else's responsibility. But we actually believe that your mood is your responsibility. And we came, come on, listen, to give life. Y'all give the Lord a big hand. And so we are throwing a party after we get done. Listen, we've got some Miss Debbie snack. We, we called Debbie and we were like, listen, we're going to throw a party. And you know what? All Miss Debbie snack cake, they come in too. So we want you to like find a random stranger and say, hey, let's eat a snack together. Because you know, when you were a little kid, y'all weren't really friends until you ate a snack together. You know what I'm saying? Hey, go into your house and get some fruit snacks. Now we're best friends. So we're just going to start the friendly culture. Go on and get you a Nutter Butter. Come on, somebody. Go get you a little cream roll and just say, you look halfway decent. Let's, let's get a snack together. And try not to do it as creepy as I just did it. Because... That would be super weird, and people may not be back. Uh, come on, 33 life groups. 33, come on. 33. So if you're new to our church, you may be like, 33 life groups. I just, I'm not, 
I'm just not really ready for a mega church. I'm not really just ready for all of that. That's too many decisions. But you may see the number 33, but what we see is um, 99 people who said, I'm going to fight through my insecurities. I'm going to fight through my brokenness. I'm going to love people. I'm going to open my home. I'm going to use my car. I'm going to use my table. I'm going to use my kitchen as a ministry vehicle to help somebody else. And so the reason we get excited about life groups is because somebody said yes to be available. And our world is in the place that it is because everybody feels like no one's available. And so that's why we're cheering because here's the deal. Love is coming your way even if you didn't know it. Now, come on. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. On Wednesday night, we had prayer here, and thank y'all. Listen, y'all showed up. We were able to, to pray and seek the Lord, and, and ultimately, we, as a church, we really believe that the calling on this house is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That means we're supposed to equip you, and one of the ways that we do that is you've got to learn to pray. Come on, MC Hammer said, you got to pray just to make it. Come on, somebody, where my where, where my people at? Just to, don't make me bust out the hammer right here. You have to learn how to pray. And, 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 and just tagging on to that is I don't know if anybody has enough money to see a counselor every hour of the day. But God in His loving mercy gave us the Holy Spirit who is the helper and the counselor. And we just believe that if you would step into prayer, that God would begin to intervene in your problems and so that's why it's so important to you so I'm gonna do uh, kind of two I'm not really doing a life group but but every Wednesday night from 630 to 730 we're gonna do prayer and it's only gonna be an hour but it's gonna be an hour of power so you just need to come and, and, and we're gonna pray and I, I'm gonna be here if nobody's here but we're gonna pray and then uh, I got one more life group that I'm doing, and it's not spiritual. Uh, most of y'all know I give lessons every Sunday morning, but I also give lessons on the basketball court. And so some of y'all, if, you you, if, you, if you think you got a little, you know what I'm saying, you're kind of holding on to your 20s, but you're 40, you know, and you, you still think you got some game, then uh, listen, it ain't going to cost you nothing, but I am a collector of dubs. So uh, over here at, stop, uh, uh, over here at Olive Street Park every other Friday. You can sign up. We want you to sign up 6.30, 6 o'clock to 7.30. We're just going to pick up games. So bring a lawn chair. We're going to do pick up games. It's going to be right here. And so, uh, listen, come. Let's all throw out our back together. It'll be awesome. Uh, <laughs> so um, go sign up for a life group. I don't have anything else to say. I like it when we just kind of Turn up the lights and take a moment and just worship together. And so if you don't mind, we don't have to stand up, but I, f I feel like we already worshiped corporately, but, but could you just close your eyes for just a second and, and allow them to lead you in this? And I just really believe that this is going to be a prophetic song over your life. Like some of you are heavy today. Some of you are searching today. And I believe that as they sing this, like... Like, I'm asking you to sing, not just listen. But maybe you're at a place today where, like, I, I don't even, I can't even open my mouth. Then let us sing this over you. Come on, come on. Will y'all sing this? All my life you have been faithful. Come on, he's faithful. Come on. And 
to settle right now. Every breath that I am able, come on. Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Come on, one more time, right here. Just throw that part. All my, come on. All my life you have been See, God is faithful able. even when you feel problems or tension all or pressure. You have been so, so Sometimes good. out of our mouth, we just got to confess the goodness of God. We're going to sing about the goodness of God. Come on, we're going to sing it. Come on, come on, chorus. Come on, come on, come on. It's your goodness is running after. It's running after you. We are not in a dispensation of judgment. We are actually in a dispensation of mercy and goodness and grace. There will be a time for judgment, but it's not now. You can change. God can move. Things can change. Come on. Your goodness is running after. It's running after. Come on, come on. Let's go. Let's go. Come on, one more time. Come on. Hey. Your goodness is running after. It's coming for you. It's running after. He's running after. God's knocking on your door. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. That is my prayer for you, that God's goodness, come on, listen, would run after you. In the, in the New Testament, Jesus says when you walk into a house that you would bless it. And if that man or woman is worthy of that, that the peace would rest on their home. And God, I am praying that your goodness would run after. So much that we would want to turn from wrong and step into all the things that you have for us. In Jesus' name, come on. And everybody said, amen. amen. One more time, give the Lord a hand clap. Thank you guys so much. Turn to your neighbor and say, how you living? Come on, turn to him. Turn to him. How you living? How you living? And then I want your response to be this, with purpose. Come on, with purpose. How you living? I'm living with purpose. The enemy's plan for your life is that you would never activate real purpose in our culture businesses um, leaders colleges uh, YouTube ticked everybody wants to talk about purpose but here's the thing that I need you to know is the world's version of what purpose is 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 a deception it, it, and one of the reasons that we have fuel purpose on our wall is because the Bible gives and describes us two types of people asleep and awake asleep and awake and I want to talk about how I believe today there your whole life could shift many of you you maybe have been in church for like 15 or 20 years and you've never really understood why you go to church you've reduced it down to morality and community 
But the truth is, a shift should happen in your life, and now everything changes on the way that you interpret, come on, how you begin to live. The devil doesn't mind that you chase desires. But he will fight you tooth and nail once he knows that you begin to activate and fuel a God-given purpose in your life. He wants you alone, shameful, broken, covered in offense, and heavy with bondage. If he can incarcerate your potential based on what other people have done, then he does not have to worry about you advancing the gospel. When God's people begin to step into purpose, the church awakens. Come on. Like hell is shaken. Demons tremble. Like that's the idea that happens. And that's not for just the super weird spiritual Christians that are like weird. Like there is a wake and there is a sleep. There is a wake and there was a sleep. Once purpose starts resonating from your life, come on, like a cowbell. Come on, like, like, like a triangle. When it begins to start resonating from your life, that means that the kingdom of God is starting to advance because of you. My assignment today is we end this series called Intentional Living. My assignment today is that you would begin to fuel purpose. You have to fuel it. The world says you have to find it, but God says you fuel it. In other words, it's already in you, but it will be activated when you wake up. That was the issue with Adam and Eve. In, the, in Genesis chapter 3, it says that when they sinned, their eyes closed and other eyes opened. They spiritually became asleep. Then they begin to focus on the physical. That was the idea. They didn't know that each other was naked. They begin to only focus on the physical and life became about them and they started to run from the presence of God rather than submit to the presence of God. And now here is the problem. Come on, does that make sense? Luke chapter 18, verse 20. Luke chapter 18, uh, 18 through 22. It says this. And a ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. So whenever we read the Bible, I want to just challenge you to go one or two steps deeper than just reading it like it's a, a, a poem or some figurative language that you would really begin to go, okay, Jesus said, why do you call me good? There is no one good except God. Some of you, that will challenge your worldview because you actually come from this idea that all people are basically good. But Jesus said people are not basically good. They were created good, but sin came in, changed them, changed our motives and why we do things. And now we are not basically good. We're basically selfish. We all have self-interest. Why did Jesus challenge this? Here this guy is coming to seek him. I want to have eternal life. You would think that he would want to promote this positivity. You know, like, like obviously this guy, Jesus is like, wow, wow, that's very combative. But there's a reason. Let's look at this. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. 
Why did he start there? Why, why did he go there? Well, Exodus chapter 20, and you can just turn there. And I'm just saying Exodus 20 because it's like 2 through uh, 18 or 19. But, but there are 10 commandments. There are 10 commandments that God set up as a standard. In fact, if you, I'm just kind of skipping around. But if you don't mind, put, put the 10 commandments up there. Okay, he, here is the idea. God set a standard. The reason that you want to know these standards is because this is how God judges us. God says, this is my standard. The first four of the commandments deal with our relationship with God. It's, it is a vertical relationship. The last six deal with man. It, it, does that mean it's a horizontal relationship? Why did God break these down? Let's talk about this. God knew that it would be hard for us to check ourselves on the first four because we always judge ourselves by our intentions. So how would we know if we're actually doing the first four by uncovering the last six? If all of the last six are a problem for us, then we're actually having a problem with our relationship with God. Does that make sense? So this is why Jesus went to the last six and didn't talk about the first four because this guy came in and began to flatter Jesus as a man. And he said, if you're going to deal with me like a man, then let's go to these six. Because you're not really coming to me as God. Does that make sense? And so I just want to subsequently just, I want you to look at these real quick. It is funny that the first one that we deal with is honor your father and mother. Honor your father and mother. Why? Because here is the spiritual concept. If you don't understand it, I really hope that you would go back and listen to our sermon last week when we talked about living free and we talked about the devil's plan in detail and he talked about how he always sets traps and throws darts and sets traps and throws darts. And so you need to know that or you won't be able to do number five, which is honor your father and mother. Okay? You honor the position that they've held. And if there is something in your heart that would make you not want to honor them, then that's a sign that there is some bondage or a lack of freedom in your life. And what happens is as your heart begins to harden, you begin to break the rest. Does that make sense? That doesn't mean that we all grew up with perfect fathers. And that doesn't mean that we all grew up with perfect mothers. And I'm not saying that there aren't boundaries that need to be established in relationships. Because some people, are, are, our parents may be broken and unable to have a really healthy relationship. But it is your job to realize that everyone has had darts thrown at them and traps set. And they fell into that like we fall into that. So I'm going to honor the position that God has given you in my life. Even though I need to learn from some other people in this season. Come on, does that make sense? Honor father and mother is before murder, adultery, stealing. This is why it's so dangerous for our culture to be pulling down honor. Because once we pull down honor... We don't have enough army and police and whatever to make sure that people aren't killing, doing whatever they want, stealing whatever they want. Does this make sense? 
That's why you're seeing over the last 20 years a pulling down of honor because you can't, it's, it's an order. Once honor goes away, then you will break boundaries. Once boundaries are broken, then you will take other people's, this is how it works. God is wanting us to have a relationship with him. And here's what Jesus said, 21. So Jesus says, yo, what about the last six? And 21, he says, well, I've kept all these. I'm good, you know. No, me. Got these on lockdown. And Jesus said, okay, there's one thing you still lack. One thing that you still lack. What, what, what was the thing that he lacked? Remember when, when the Pharisees came to Jesus and said, which is the greatest commandment? Do you mind going back there real quick? Okay, go back to the Ten Commandments. Jesus said, there's one thing you still lack. Well, he broke down all of the laws into two. Love God, love others. First four, last six. There is one thing that you still lack. It's the top four. That's the one thing. Love God. Okay? So let's look at this. Look at it. And Jesus heard this. He said, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have. Distribute it to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Come and follow, check this out, me. Can we just put a magnifying glass on this? Can we zoom in just a little bit on this thought? Jesus had just had a courageous conversation with this rich young ruler, and he wasn't being rude, but he didn't water it down. He made the ask, and I want to come back to this in just a second. We're going to talk about the ask that he made. Here is a young man who is seeking something. He wants eternal life, and he knows that his life is missing. Come on, listen, something. He has the courage enough to ask the question, but he doesn't have the revelation enough to understand the response of Jesus. Purpose doesn't happen because of excitement or flattery. I love that our church people are excited. And typically when someone begins to first come to the Lord, they get super excited. I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to evangelize the world. And here's what Jesus knew. Because this man came in and said, hey, good teacher. I'm here. I'm excited. I'm willing this man was operating in flattery, but he was not operating in submission. This moment was not really about honoring Jesus. It was about furthering self-interest. In other words, listen, yo, I don't want to say anything, but I've been pretty successful my whole life. And Jesus, I've been hearing about you. And I think that you offer something that I really don't have yet. And so how, how, how much, what I got to do? And we're like, what, what do you need? I'm, I'm sure that you're like, you, these are your disciples. Okay, one, two, three, four. Like, how do you feed them? What do you do? I mean, I, I, I got you. Uh, can I fund your ministry for a couple months? What, what, what do I got to do to get eternal life? See, it really wasn't. And when we dial down to our own motive, we will ask ourselves, are we doing good things because of self-interest? Or are we submitting, come on, listen, to the presence of God and we are about to sell out and step up to anything that he's asked us to do? Come on, does that make sense? The, 
the flattery downplayed the lordship of Jesus. Jesus was not just a good teacher. He was all God. All God. Jesus knew that the man's wealth and position stood in the way of total commitment. Sure, this man had made a trip to see Jesus. But he wasn't fully committed to sell out and step in. See, there's a big difference between seeing and stepping. Yesterday, I was at a football game with my son, and I could, I, I could see the game, uh, but I was in the stands. My son, however, was in the game, and he had actually stepped, come on, listen, onto the field and had responsibility, and his purpose was to win, and my purpose was to watch. And I think that one of the reasons that we're seeing the church um, not really engaging in culture is because we are assimilating and assembling people to watch. And God did not call you to be a watcher. He called you to sell out and step in. Come on, does that make sense? Let's talk about seeing. When we talk about seeing, seeing is revealing. Seeing gives you context. Seeing illuminates details. Seeing changes perspective. I think seeing is awesome. And some of you are coming to this church and you've been coming for two or three works and you're seeing. And I'm fine with that. I just know that your spiritual development doesn't hinge on just seeing. You've got to see. You've got to sell out. And you've got to step. And if you stay in seeing, that is where you begin to see church life a Diet Coke or a Dr. Pepper. Yeah, I tried it. No, 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 you never tried it. You watched it. And so you could actually be in church for 30 years and you never moved out of seeing. And so you know what happens in church. You just don't know what could happen in you. Come on, help me. Stepping means movement, leaving, I'm going to say a really nasty word, risk. Go then. Listen, come on, like risk, like involve, like we have all these little babies in our church and people are like, Pastor, how come you don't ever preach about science? And I'm like, we don't need to. Have you seen our kids' area? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Sorry. That was, that was a distraction, my fault. <laughs> Stepping, all these little babies are learning how to step, and they're like, and what are they learning? They're learning how to get the rhythm of movement. How to get the rhythm of, of movement. While both of these are important, so I'm not diminishing seeing. I just need you to know that you don't get to be a permanent seer. See, from the crowd's perspective, I was watching my son, and I was watching his performance. And so I am sitting at a different perception of my scene. But the six-year-olds that were playing football and running around, they were looking at the sixth graders, and one day I'm going to be number 21, and one day I'm going to be number 12, and, when I, and, you know, and one day you know, I'm going to run over someone. Like, yeah. And seeing... 
That's why we want you to be in life groups because we want you to see, hey, look at that man and how he treats his wife and that man, how, how she treats her husband, that way, how they men. And we want you to see in order to sell out and step. But we don't want you to see just so that you can be a watcher. Jesus was revealing a huge spiritual truth that I want to give you. Are we good? Thank you, five of you. That's right. I feel better. Jesus is like, yo, listen, listen to this. My goal isn't to get you. And this is, I'm going to say something that's going to bother the religious people. So thank you for coming. It's been nice to know you. Uh, I get it. I get it. Okay. His goal wasn't to get people, the rich young ruler. The goal wasn't to get him to just stop sinning. The goal was to get him to sell out, to follow me, to take a step, to allow the Holy Spirit to ignite purpose in your life. And then you will not want to sin because you like having fruit. The goal isn't that you come here and every day get a morality lesson. The goal is that you wake up from spiritual slumber and you begin to go, there's a purpose bigger than sleeping and it's advancing the kingdom. There is a heaven, there is a hell, and I am a part of it. And am I pushing it forward or am I making someone else do it all? And I'm a watcher. I'm a judger. I'm a critic. Come on. The key of the kingdom is not that you should spend all of your time as a Christian just not sinning. And I'm going to free some of y'all because every Sunday your whole goal is to clean up the mess up you made last. And so, hey God, I'm sorry, I messed up again. God, and so every day you're getting saved. And you're, you're getting, part of you is getting saved because you feel terrible. And part of you is getting saved because your wife's like, if you don't get saved, I'm going to kick you in your chin. But here's what I need you to know. You can actually do all of that based on self-interest. I don't want to feel dirty anymore. I don't want people to judge me anymore. I don't want the people in my life to feel like I'm a bad person. But I'm not really ready to see, sell out, and step up. Come on, does this make sense? Staying focused on not sinning isn't the same thing as selling out. And in no way am I minimizing sin. So don't send me no email. We believe in holiness. Jesus was the one that taught us, man, if you're pure in spirit, if you're pure in heart, you're going to see God. But here's what Jesus knows. Fueling purpose will make you want to resist sin and turn away from it. Why? Because here's what we know about sin. Sin makes your heart hard. And when your heart is hard, it plugs your ears. And when your ears are plugged, you're falling asleep. And you're no longer being moved by God. You're being moved by self-interest. See, compromise always stops the movement of God 
in your life. That's why God is so awesome that he set up this conviction to remind you, hey, you're not where you need to be. Some of you have taken conviction. You've turned it, allowed the enemy to turn it into condemnation. And you've left relationships because you feel bad. But that was not God's intent for that. The intent was, I'm convicting you because there's more in you. Because there's a purpose before the foundations of the earth. And if I can get that broken off of your life, your life's going to have meaning. And you're no longer going to go to your work and wonder if the, the boss is nice to you and the co-workers are nice to you. And you're not going to be talking about the toxic, toxicity of the, the, the people you work with. And you're not going to be mad at the Republicans and mad at the Democrats and mad at the independents and mad at everything that's going on. And you will not be always frustrated because everybody else is controlling my peace. God is like, yo, if you get the purpose, you'll be able to walk through some hard things and not be shaken. Come on, give him some praise. The goal is to get awake. Sure, sin brings death. And I don't want a church that smells like death. I can only breathe out of my left nostril. That would have sounded a whole lot intense if they both were working. I had a joke, but I was not going to say it. Okay. Listen, we don't want you to smell like death. We want you to exude purpose. I'm not there yet, but I'm on my way. Listen, I'm taking steps every day of my life. Y'all don't even know I'm not who I used to be. I'm not who I want to be. I'm growing. God's doing some things. And as I begin to step forward, I may step back. I step forward, I may step back. But all of a sudden, transformations happen. And I don't want to do the things I used to do because I'm excited about what I'm getting to do. And my life finally has purpose. Come on. Purpose is solidified as you sell out. So many people are thirsty. If you feel comfortable, say that like I just did. One, two, three. Thirsty. You're thirsty. Thirsty for attention. Thirsty for an accolade. Thirsty to be seen. Thirsty, thirsty. Achievement isn't lasting purpose and so i don't care you can get on spotify and listen to all the motivation three minute speeches you want you can get on youtube you can talk to yourself but here's the deal all of the world's purpose is trying to promote self-interest that's why it's never enough come on As soon as I get the home, as soon as I get the girl, as soon as I get the wife, as soon as I get the corner office, as soon as I get out of debt, as soon as I pay off my school loan, then here's what I find out. There's another thing I want. Dang it. And there's another thing I want. (laughs) And then then all of a sudden, my whole life is trying to find some purpose. Proving all the haters wrong isn't purpose. But if you listen to the world... You write down everybody who told you you wouldn't make it. And you know what? You send them a present every Christmas to let them know, I'm still living. 
That's what the world tells you to do. But I'm just telling you, so, so, so your whole life, you're going to be motivated by all the people who told you you can't? You're 30 years down the road, you're still in the classroom of that teacher. You've never been free. And you're wondering why there's a chip on your shoulder. And you're wondering why you're hard to love because you're trying to prove something to somebody else. And we're always having conversations with people who aren't even in the room and aren't even in our lives anymore. And you're wondering why I don't have, y'all not hearing me. Come on, this is good. Y'all need to help me. Well, I want to be the best in the world. The best. And I love that. Listen, I'm always talking to my son. He's always asking me, Dad, how do you do that? Do I look like I know? Come on, you want to talk about cookies? I'm all day. But you need to get on YouTube. And I want to be the best. I want you to be the best. But if your sole purpose is to be the best, then what are you going to do when someone who has been naturally gifted, and you know, because here's the way, you can't grow height. I mean, you can have daddy and mama stretch you every night. You may get an inch and a half. But when this dude walks into the court and he's six foot nine, I get it. You're just mad. You, you've been wearing them little calf pumps, trying to build up your calves. You're so excited. Your vertical went up two inches. And then you're jumping as tall as his head. And he's just like, dink. <laughs> I'm terrible. I is over. I'm not going to. Your purpose is being the best instead of awaken the best in other people. Well, my purpose is to get down to the desire to wait. My wife has been telling me to get rid of those pants, and I'm like, no, they're my goal. And she's like, hmm. But you wore those when you were 12. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Some of y'all like, that bothered you. My, my bad. I didn't, I didn't mean it to hit you that way. Listen. But, but here's the deal is that slowly you, you become, and you don't even know this, but I'm for goals, but you become what you weigh instead of a way to advance the gospel. Each of these ideas will leave you empty. There is more to your life than just feeling a little bit better and walking in a little bit more morality. There is purpose. Come on, design. someone say, fuel purpose. This is why Jesus wasn't scared. Now let's get back to this, to make the ask. Jesus knew the real purpose of life. And the real purpose of life is that you would awaken from spiritual sleep, from spiritual death, and start building the kingdom. And what is tying you where you can't sell out and step up? Come on, somebody. Jesus was asking the rich young ruler to take a step that would fuel your purpose and change your life. And he walked away. The 
This is why we ask people to take next steps. If you're here in this church long enough, we are coming for you. We're going to ask you next step. You're, you're going to see the tension. We do not believe in plausible deniability. We are coming. You're hearing the word. If you come for long, we're like looking for you. We're watching the Holy Ghost and do something in your life. And we're believing that there is something for you to touch, something for you to do. Because this is why God awakened the soul. Yesterday, we had life group leaders here. We had over 90 life groups, 33 different groups. And here's what I see. People battling to say yes. Not perfect, but willing to promote a perfect gospel. Come on. Steps are important. There will always be another step for you. In your whole life, until you meet Jesus, there will always be another step. And I don't need you to take the American culture and put that on the Bible. Because the truth is, you don't get to retire from discipleship. I'm about to. Your whole life, God is moving and, and delivering and freeing and prophesying and speaking. And your whole life is about the journey of what God can do in your life. And I am telling you that I need you to get this because some of you are supposed to start businesses to help other business leaders because they don't know how to read their profit and loss. They don't know how to grow a business. They don't have to do, but you're going to start a Bible study that's like, hey, listen, I've been successful. Here's what God done in my life. I want to pass that on to you. Some of you, God is calling you to be life group leaders and coaches and leaders. Some of you, you just need to breathe. Some of y'all are going to be a campus pastor. Some of y'all are going to start a brand new business. But you're going to do it not based out of just self-interest. You're going to do it because you're the answer and the salt and light in this community. Come on, does that make sense? That's why we want you to step into tithing. Why, well, and let's, so let's talk about it. We talk about giving and generosity and tithing. All of that is a spiritual step. Why? Because we, we don't want you to come under the law of giving. Listen to this. Those who aren't awake, when we start talking about tithe and giving and offering, they believe that something is being taken or manipulated from them. But those who are awake begin to realize what the Bible teaches. The wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. And the only way that we take new streets is we begin to fund new ministries. We begin to help moms and single moms and, and foster homes. And we begin, the church begins to use what God has given us and we advance the gospel. Come on, that, that's the idea. We want you to take a step into freedom. We want you to take a step into relationships. And have healthy ones. I know you can make a friend. I'm asking you if you can keep one. As a pastor, I have seen this see, sell out, and step over and over again. And I will tell you that it will work in your life. Let me tell you about a story. Heather and Jeremy Pressure, they're sitting right over here. I'm going to tell you their story just a little bit. Heather and Jeremy started coming about three years ago. They would sit in the back 
of our old church. They would sit in the back. And as soon as I said amen, they were the first ones at the door. Come on, they did that for a while. Because God was stirring them into more, but they were not totally ready for all of it. And here's the deal. If you're in that place, we're okay with that. We believe that's for a season. We want you to see if the personality on the stage is the same way off the stage. We want you to use your eyes, and we want you to see. Come on, does that make sense? But, but little by little, they would come, and they declined most of the church invites. Uh, hey, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. We're gonna, no, no, no. But finally, they, they decided to do, listen, a life group. And the process was very slow. And each time they came, just a little bit more seeds were planted in their life. Just a little bit more, just a little bit, just a little bit. They finally heard us say, and you'll hear this say, what you'll hear us say this a lot. We are not asking for one service. We're grateful if you give us one service. We believe there will be an encounter and we believe that God will move. But we're not asking for one service. We're asking for a year. One year, I believe that the Holy Spirit will move on the seeds that are planted and you will be walking in more than you thought you would in one year. And so they took that challenge. Some time later, Heather got saved. She wanted to get baptized. Jeremy was still kind of taking it all in, kind of looking. Came from a different background. One day on a Friday service, Good Friday service, we had a moment where the congregation began to write people's names down on a sheet of paper who we wanted to see saved. And Heather wrote down Jeremy's name. As she wrote down his name, little by little, they would come. Little by little, their lives started looking different. Little by little, they would start saying no to the things they used to say yes to and say yes to the meetings and the moments that, that revolved around the Lord and church. About 10 months ago, we were doing a sermon on believing through uncertainty and Heather and Jeremy responded. The challenge went forth. They took a step. Jeremy, come on, listen, received salvation. He moved his family toward healing. Heather started winning in her sobriety. And now they have both taken a step toward serving and moving into leadership. And I am telling you that even last night, Jeremy's praying with his family. Come on, give the Lord some praise. <laughs> Proud of you. The Bible says that God is no respecter of person. And I know it's going to be a courageous step. I know that you're risking. The Bible actually says that you're going to give your life. But do you want something that doesn't cost you everything? See, that's the deal. I love church. But if we make the commitment so weak, we'll have sissies in church. Not people who sell out and step up. God is asking you, do you have purpose? See, selling out and taking steps is how you begin to live missional and intentional. And, and, and I, I, just, I just need to tell you that 
The job for our church is not that you quit your job and come work on our staff. The job is that you begin to be a light into the communities and nations and areas that you work and you become a professional and everything that you do comes under this purpose and you never have a, a, a secular life and a sacred life. There is no division between your Sunday morning walk and your Monday morning walk. You begin to live better outside. Come on, the walls of the church. Come on, give him some praise. For us, we have to have some people who understand that heaven and hell are real. And there will be one day, listen, that you will give an account of how you lived your life. Romans chapter 14, verse 11 and 12 says this, for it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow, every tongue shall confess, so each will give, everybody say, an account of himself to God. I believe scripture teaches us that there will be four major questions that God asks us as we are kneeling in front of the mercy seat. Here they are. Go ahead and put them up there. I believe that God is going to ask you, who did you really serve? Did you serve self-interest? Did you serve money? Did you serve career? Did you serve popularity? Did you serve wanting to be the coolest family on the block? What was your motive? Who did you really submit your life to? I'm not talking about your front stage life. I'm talking about your backstage life. The second one is what did you do with what he gave you? What did you do with what he gave you? See, before the foundation of the earth, you were given spiritual gifts and you were given talents. And those were to be developed. And one day when you woke up, you would begin to help advance the kingdom. See, the story was of the talents is that someone was scared they would do the wrong thing. So they hid it. And I am telling you, God is going to ask you, what did you do with what I gave you? Some of you are very analytical. Some of you are very detailed-oriented. Some of you are visionaries and builders. Some of you are helpers and servers. Some of you can cook in Jesus' name. Some of you, come on, somebody, like, hallelujah, come on, Kev. Listen, are you doing that to advance the gospel? Or are you doing that so that you can be personally cool? Did you value and apply God's standards to your life? Every year, I'm acting a little bit less like where I came from, and I'm acting a little bit more like where I'm going. Every year, come on, my, 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 my TV's changing a little bit. I'm not, I'm not watching. I'm not entertaining. I'm not going. I, I used, Friday night used to be, y'all, let's hit the club. And now it's like, oh, man, I'm changing. All of a sudden, something's going on in my life. And I found community that's life-giving. And I wake up the next morning not wondering who... No, stop. All right, uh, I'm just saying there's this idea that I'm beginning to move forward in what God has for me. The last is this. Come on. It's almost time. All right. 
What was the lasting work you left? The Bible says that we will be judged on the fruit that remains. When you leave this earth, will they tear down your house, sell your car, or will you leave something that advances the kingdom and while you're in glory, people are talking about what you left. And more people are waking up. More people are waking up. More people are waking up. Come on. I totally see from Scripture that we are saved by the blood of Jesus. And don't, we, I am not ta- telling you that we come under a works-based salvation. I am not saying that. You understand that? But I am saying that the Bible says that we will be rewarded by the works that we do. And your verdict to these questions will determine the reward that you are given. Jesus knew there was more for the rich young ruler. Ben, go ahead and come up. But he walked away. He walked away. Don't walk away. Your life and the life of others are hanging in the balance. Like, come on, sir. Come on, ma'am. Don't walk away. John chapter 15, verse 5 says this. Look at this. I am the vine. Come on, you know it. You are the branches. Whoever imbibes in me and I in him, he's going to bear much fruit. That's the goal. But apart from me, you can do nothing. You don't have to sleep. You can wake. The kingdom is our why. Building it is our purpose. Putting the kingdom first says, but the Bible tells us that everything else will be added. Here's this idea. If you put it first, God will build it better. But if you try to do everything else, it will always be broken. Wake up. Come on, come on, sir, wake up. For us, you can use this concept in every area of your life. Come on, students walking down the hallway. Come on, come on, in your profession, in your career, wherever you're at. Come on, bless people, bless people. The purpose isn't what you do. It comes out of the overflow of what you believe about God. We are all given a choice. Come on, turn up the music now. Come on, come on. Fill the room. Fill the room. Fill the room. Will you come to church and see a few cool moments? Or will the invitation for real purpose be missed? Are you going to walk away? Or are you going to sell out and step up? And so here's the thing. I only have two questions for you. Come on, come on, come on, come on. I only have two questions for you. And here it is. Have I sold out? And what is my next step? Have I sold out? And what is my next step? And I am telling you that once you answer this question, it will change the trajectory of your life. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.